Welcome to episode 17 of ScareZone, Halloween Horror Nights podcast. A little bit different episode this week. You know, our thoughts and our prayers and all our love goes out to everyone in the Central Florida area dealing with Hurricane Matthew right now. We decided instead of doing a brand new episode talking about Horror Nights and giving our reviews and all of that and having fun, we'd go back and play an interview that we never got to release with one of the creators of Halloween Horror Nights, and that is John Paul Gertz. Currently, he works for Nickelodeon. Great interview. We were able to do it back in May. You can tell I'm probably more nervous because it was one of the first interviews I ever did here for ScareZone. But I hope you guys enjoy it. Again, everybody stay safe. Be careful. I know most of our listeners are in Orlando. So again, just stay safe. Enjoy this show. I'm sorry. Horror Nights is canceled um, tonight and obviously Friday night whenever you're hearing this. And we will have updates for you later on. So let's just move on to it. Here it goes. Here's our interview with John Paul Gertz. For those who don't know John Paul, thank you, number one, thanks for joining us. But for those that don't know, uh, maybe what was your role prior to, and we were going to get to Halloween Horror Nights, but prior to Halloween Horror Nights, what was your role at Universal? Uh, I was an art director when the park was being built. Uh, that's when I first met Julie Zimmerman. We were all working on the same construction projects. And then how did that lead, I guess, to you end up working on, was it the first, the, you're, you're credited as the... Uh, you know, especially in the book that uh, one of the guys on our show, Chris Ripley, wrote as one of the co-creators of Halloween Horror Nights. Maybe what does that mean? What does that entail? Um, essentially, Julie hired me to be the production designer for the first Halloween Horror Nights. Um, and I was living in New York City at the time and had just wrapped up uh, working on a national tour of Phantom of the Opera. And uh, the timing worked out, so I came down to Orlando and, and helped her produce the, the show. So she just gave you a call sort of out of the blue and said, hey, come on down. Did you guys have a relationship before then? Or? Yes, yeah. We had met um, when we were working on the Animal Actors show on, uh, when the park was being built, um, I guess uh, back in 1989. Um, I Again, I came down from uh, New York to uh, help out Chris Stapleton. He was the production designer for Animal Actors, Hitchcock, and Murder, She Wrote. And I was his art director for those three attractions uh, as they were being built. So we all became very close because it was, you know, it was a tight uh, group of people working on uh, the park at that time. And... uh, Julie and I remained friends after uh, the park opened, and I went back to New York, and and thus she <laughs> called me when she needed a hand uh, trying to get this thing off the ground. Yeah, and this was in like 1991, I guess. 1991, the park is still brand new at this point. Uh, what sounds like when Julie kind of explained it, I'm just curious your take, was there was a bit of, and I'm curious from, from an art director point of view, from what you were doing at the parks, there was a little bit of it feeling like the Wild West, where you could kind of do whatever you want, and there wasn't really someone... You're looking over your shoulder. Is that how it felt for you? Yes. Uh, it's funny you, you asked that question. Uh, when, I, when I was thinking about this uh, call this morning, I, I was remembering it just like that. Um, <laughs> the, there, there really weren't um, – the parks didn't have what you would call um, a, you know, a quality assurance program. There wasn't sort of an overarching sort of – lead that was managing every aspect of the parks uh like like it is today um every attraction was seen as kind of a new project and every piece of entertainment was also done like a new project and so we we did have a lot of free reign obviously we had to uh make sure that um uh tom williams was happy with the 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 overall direction 
but that was the that was the extent of the oversight. You know, stay on budget and open on time were were basically the mandates. So you come in from Phantom of the Opera. Um, something I guess you could say it kind of would loosely tie into work with Halloween. I mean, a lot of people uh, draw some connections there. But were you a fan of horror? Was it anything that interested you to begin with? Not at all. <laughs> uh, I, I am I am not a horror buff per se. Um, I I. I am not a huge fan of the genre, um, but uh, it became quite fascinating um, working on it for the first year and then really into the second year because we began to draw parallels between sort of, you know, sort of joy and fear and how close those two emotions are. And so you could essentially, we figured out that you could sort of scare people, um, sort of, you know, sort of, and make them laugh almost simultaneously, uh, because they just, they those emotions sit side by side. Yeah. And that's what, what happens when you go to Halloween Horror Nights, even now, I feel like it's that same emotion that first year I went, I'm not a horror guy either, especially not then. And what brought me into the park was, um, I was, you know, down there, I was going to school down there and some friends decided they wanted to go and they said there was a Bill and Ted show. And I was like, all right, I can get through a Bill and Ted show. That sounds good. But the rest of it frightened me, but it did kind of open my eyes to the idea of, yes, I can have a great time being scared. And, you know, again, I'm not someone who still sits down and watches a lot of horror films, but I enjoy it for what it is. And, and what I've kind of always take away is this kind of a film school geek. Um, and I said this with Julie is to me, and I feel that way a lot about a lot of the parks in, in Florida in general is they're almost giant art installations that you're walking into. And if you look at it from a different point of view and you as an art director and as someone who works on the creative side of it, was there that fulfillment for you where you could walk through these houses and almost want to tell people, hey, slow down, look, look, look at the detail work over here. Hmm. <laughs> uh... Yeah, that's it's you know sort of the. I would I would say uh, to some extent yes, um, but ultimately my my passion lives sort of within the experience and sort of what the guest takeaway is. So um, uh, you know sort of we used to actually hang out in the houses and watch the guest pattern to learn um, when when the show was open. And, right. and, and see what was successful and what was not. And some of the, sometimes the most beautiful things were, high, were extremely successful just because it did. It slowed people down and, and you know, it took their mind off of where they were. Um, and other times the show itself was so engaging and the performers were so wonderful that this sort of, it wouldn't have mattered if they were just in the middle of a, a black cube. It sort of, it just, the, the, the performers were the show. So there's a, there's, there always has to be a healthy balance between the two so that you end up with a, an amazing experience at, and a good show. So the two complement one another. Could you walk us through a little bit what your role was? I know we said, you know, we have the definitive titles of what, of what you guys did, but what did you do? What was your, I guess, your pre-production work on this? What did it consist of? Did they say, here, here's a house, come up with this idea, come up with this attraction? Was there any sort of guidance in that, or were you just given free reign? And then what did you actually kind of do for the, for the project? Where's your fingerprints? Um, well, the, the in, initially, um, Julie had done all the research on the Universal films and ended up with... Uh, People under the stairs as the the um, driving principle for or the driving story for the main house. Um, that first year, um, 
The Dungeon of, of Terror, or, yeah. <laughs> so, right, the sort of, there, you know, sort of, there was, well, there was, there was the dungeon, and then there was um, People Under the Stairs. Okay. So, year one, year one, uh, they did uh, a Halloween event called Fright Nights, I believe. Right. And then there was a, a trademark issue, so they changed the name to Halloween Horror Nights. Um, and so that first year we did two houses. One was on a soundstage and the other one was in the queue of the Jaws attraction, which, uh, was closed at that point in time. And so essentially we had that backstory for people under the stairs for the one house. And then the dungeon of terror was essentially sort of kind of a, uh, you know, greatest hits of, of, you know, the horror genre, right. you know, sort of, we, we, we played with, you know, people's, you know, biggest fear, you know, you know, sort of rats, um, were a, a, a big deal. Um, obviously the rat lady, the rat lady which yep. was, uh, a, uh, um, was something that, uh, was created the year prior, but was extremely successful. So that was that was something that we uh, maintained. Right. Um, that but lives we on played, today. <laughs> it, it, right? Yeah. And but it was. Um, but we decided. Well, you know, people are really afraid of rodents, so let's make them feel like they're walking through a, a hallway and they're you know sort of all around their feet and they and so we kind of either built up or you know did pre-show or post-show almost to those rooms to expand upon those fears. Um, um, but other than, you know, sort of other than being told, Hey, this is the, the one movie, um, that you're, uh, designing to, we generally had free reign to create, uh, the event that we wanted to, um, because, you know, sort of, they were sweeping the park and then, you know, reloading it. Um, the sort of the Hollywood Boulevard show was created as essentially, as a as a main gate, so that people had a reason to stop and gather on Hollywood Boulevard. Right. Um, but the big difference, I think, that uh, we made that in that first year was treating the entire park as that art installation that as you're referring to. So we essentially projected. Uh, light or pattern on the sound stages, used them as backdrops. We, um, uh, the lighting designer, went through and literally sort of figured out how to completely change the area lighting of the park, which was not designed to be altered in any way, shape, or form. So a lot of it was literally going into buildings and turning off circuit breakers um, to get lights off to make it dark um, and atmospheric. Um, they also spent a tremendous amount of time and energy just putting gels and color filters on existing lights so that it either changed the color or the tone of the street. So that was, um, that was probably one of the big differences between, you know, sort of uh, the year prior and, and, the the year that I was I was brought in um, because we really wanted the entire park to feel completely different. 
Right. So you're brought in to create that immersive experience, like you said. And looking back on it, was that sort of, would you say that's one of your, your favorite parts about it? Was able to transform the park completely? Or do you have any moments that stick out as, man, that's something I'm, that I think was a really great experience or a cool experience when it comes to being able to take such a, a landmark at the time, a, a sort of, a not a fledgling park, but a park that was on the verge of, like you said, Jaws was closed and all these things were closed. There were still lots of issues. But was it is that something you look back on as, as a fun moment, or is there anything specific that hits you thinking back on those times? Uh, it, it was a, it was a, it was an absolute blast uh, working on that particular project, and you know, sort of the first year we did it. Uh, I think I was hired in August, and we opened the end of October, so it was pretty Quite quickly quick. produced. Yeah. Um, and so then the, the following year, um, we had a little more time because I re- remained with Universal uh, through that next year as a contractor developing all sorts of other events uh, with Julie. So that was, um, uh, it was kind of an interesting time. I, I want to say that the, um, you know, sort of the, the, the fun really was uh, in transforming the park and thinking about the park differently, um, especially in that second year when we had to look for additional spaces to create the houses. Um, you know, we came up with the idea of putting a tent behind uh, the Bates Motel. Uh, originally, we tried right. to use the the actual set that was there as a as a walkthrough experience, um, but we couldn't do it for uh, code reasons. Um, and so we decided, well, heck, let's just put up a temporary structure for a slab um, and and figure out you know how to do that. And uh, you know it, today you see all of the houses or many of the houses are just that. they're in they're in tents, yeah, you know tents, sort of yeah. in in on other other parts of the property. So you know sort of um, we utilized um, sort of, the New York facades, um, as, as a space, you know, sort of basically transforming them into interior space where they had once been, um, just dirt floor. I mean, there was nothing, nothing in there. So, um, I, I feel like we did a fair amount of, uh, innovating while, while we were trying to create the event, um, just because we, you know, we didn't have a ton of money. Uh, we had good budgets, but they, they weren't extravagant. And we had to, we had to be clever, um, so that was uh, I think that was probably the most enjoyment for me um, was being able to uh, contribute and solve those those challenges. Do you still go? Have you been to Halloween Horror Nights? No, you're you're based in Orlando, right? I am based in Orlando because uh, I currently work for Nickelodeon, and the um, I've been back once or twice, I think, um, and the the team that does. Uh, Horror Nights today is is magnificent. You know, so many of the the people working on the project are you know you know near and dear friends, and and they've come up with amazing ideas and you know really clever ways of uh, reinventing not only the event but also you know bringing back classics um, that guests really love. So. They're doing a tremendous job. Yeah, when I've we interviewed um, Julie, obviously, and even with Jason, Jason Sorrell, he talked about working with both of you and how he's like, I felt like I was a small part of their team. It felt like I was a little bit. Do you have any memories of working with Jason? 
Um, I do. I think Jason was a part of our team for uh, year two. Um, and, uh, in fact, we recently connected on another project that uh, uh, he's and working on. That cannot be said right now. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> of course. Um, and, um, and, and it was just, it was, ni- it was nice to reconnect and, and sort of reminisce a little bit about, about those times. Uh, you know, again, it was a long time ago. Um, and there were a tremendous amount of contributors that uh, sort of were a part of the Horror Nights team. There was uh, a, a lot of people, um, you know, sort of were doing some sort of an operations job uh, sort of, you know, by day in in the park and then, you know, sort of transitioned over to the Halloween team closer to opening. So they were really, really doing double duty. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of not only Jason from a creative standpoint um, and as a, as a writer, but also the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the shops and the fabricators right. and all of, all, all of the <laughs> other artists that came in to um, design the, the project um, were just were just astonishing, and and again, it's you know at that point in time, nobody other than Knott's Berry Farm was really doing a big Halloween. Um, you know, sort of, it's you know, twenty five years later, it's a very different game. I mean, in fact, you know, globally, Halloween is 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 a massive uh, money maker um, in in. In, even in countries that really have no history with Halloween. Um, it's just everybody kind of loves the horror uh, genre, and so they're capitalizing on it. They might not trick-or-treat, but they certainly dress up for Halloween. You you're, you live in Orlando, and I'm sure, you know, as one of the people that's considered one of the founders and creators of this thing, I'm sure you see the marketing everywhere for Halloween Horror Nights each year. Uh, when you see it, do you... Do you feel a sense of connection? Do you feel a sense of pride looking at it? Or do you think that's just these new guys thing and that's just part of my past? Or do you, do you, do you pass it and, and smile a little bit for us? Hmm. I, I, I would have to say I, I definitely do sort of smile a little bit. And uh, I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled that it's, it, is, it became, you know, this big deal. I mean, sort of considering what year one we did, I'm not sure exactly. We, we ran it maybe two weekends, so maybe six nights or something right. like that, or something. And now it runs, you know, for six weeks. Um, it's is it's a real testament to sort of not only the the popularity, but sort of the 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 um, the amount of time and energy that Universal itself has put behind the event. I mean, sort of yes, it's profitable, but also you know, sort of it's something that they it is a real um, distinction for them that really sort of, you know, nobody else, nobody else really, you know, sort of at that time could have gotten away with what, uh, we, uh, we were doing at universal. I mean, no, nobody would have sort of done the sort of the intense sort of blood and guts and gore that we were doing at, at that point in time in a very realistic cinematic fashion. And, and now you turn a 180 and you're working for probably the opposite of blood and gore. Uh, you're a VP at Nickelodeon. And, you know, you were there, obviously, at the parks. I, I worked at Nickelodeon the last year uh, Nickelodeon Studios Florida was there. And uh, it was an amazing time. I, I credit pretty much every, you know, bit of, of success I've had, and whether it's my life on doing these podcast radio shows or television or films that we've made, uh, a lot to working there at Nick. Can you give us a little bit of background of, 
of what you're doing with Nickelodeon? And, and is there anything you took out of the experiences of working, not just on Halloween Horror Nights, but on live events like that in what you do today? Uh, well, what I do for Nickelodeon is I oversee all sort of attractions and live entertainment. Um, the group that I manage here in Orlando basically develops um, any Nickelodeon theme park attraction or exhibit um, shows, whether they're touring shows, theme park shows, hotel resort shows, all the walk around characters live under, under my team, um, as well as resort development. Um, so we are, you know, sort of, we're in all of these businesses and the, the, uh, amazing team, uh, that I support, uh, develops all of the creative, uh, for, you know, the, um, what am I? What am I trying to say? Develops all the creative for the attractions, you know, around the world. Yeah, anywhere so, someone can w- sees a physical Nickelodeon thing in person, I guess you'd say, a, whether it's a show or a tour or a character, that's what under you. Which you know, someone someone you would draw some connections. Clearly, that was your background. You came from Phantom doing touring Phantom, Halloween Horror Nights. Skip forward twenty five years, and you're doing this. I'm sure there's a lot in between there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit. I've actually I've I've actually been with Nickelodeon for 22 years. Oh, well, there you um, go. So, so, pretty, so not a whole lot between them. So um, I worked for them as a as a sort of a contractor, sort of or a freelancer, however you want to put it, for quite a while. Um, art directing television shows initially, and then went on to design um, their uh, first. Uh, theatrical shows that they did in theme parks, um, and then that transitioned into the theme park attractions, which transitioned into resorts and hotels, and then uh, shows. Actually, was was the 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 last piece that came onto uh, my plate. Um, but uh, but in addition, I also consulted uh, for almost a decade with Microsoft um, as a concept designer to help them envision uh, spaces to that were very, very theatrical um, to uh, show their clients and partners how their software could work uh, within their business environment. Um, so it, and that was creating those envisioning labs was a wonderful experience for me as well, just because I, I got to not only do, you know, design sort of uh, uh, sort of a highly interactive space, but unlike theme parks or you know everything else where it's show control and you hit go, this everything happened in real time. So there was no there 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 nothing was canned. Everything had to work, uh, and working through those solutions with the with the software engineers and the and the techs at Microsoft was just absolutely fascinating. Um, so, yeah. um, in addition, to, sorry, go ahead. No, um, you know, in and in addition to sort of the the professional stuff, I've always tried to keep one foot in the theater, um, and I don't uh, work in the theater as much as I would truly like to. But uh, as 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 a design professional uh, myself, but the sort of kind of the the big news at Nickelodeon is that we are going to be launching our first. Broadway show, the SpongeBob musical. Yes. Just to kind of wrap it up, because I know uh, you know you got a lot ahead of you. You obviously got your busy guy. It's not something that, and I find this really interesting because hearing from 
you and Jason and somewhat with Julie as well, is the three of you have gone on to do so many things and to grow up in sort of this world that 25 years ago, when you look back on it, it was this sort of, uh, you know, fun first step to these crazy careers. And and I love that part of it. Do you think there was, I mean, I, I talking to my friends who, who work at Halloween Horror Nights now or work Universal, it's definitely a little more controlled. It's definitely, the intellectual properties are are more properly taken care of, are more, uh, a lot of rights and rules are taken care of. But when it comes down to it, do you think that experience working there, put on a, a live show for people, even though it was a very limited time, uh, did something for you guys, you specifically, I guess, for this one, um, to... I don't know, help your imagination grow to to work towards the future of doing these bigger and amazing things. Like I said, you're working on right now, SpongeBob Musical, Compete with Hamilton. It'll be great. The, uh, you know, every everything you do uh, sort of, you know, adds adds to, you know, your portfolio and adds to, your, you know, your skill set. Um, the great thing about that time at Universal, not only uh, with Horror Nights, but working on the park itself was just that. It was, you know, it was a new company. It was a new venture they were reinventing, you know, sort of the theme park, uh, reimagining what that experience could be. Um, you know, Disney was the at that point sort of the only you know game in town next to SeaWorld. But uh, sort of, and if you look what Universal has done, you know, they've they've they have really sort of challenged, uh, you know, the the status quo in in the product that they've developed. Um, for me personally, uh, you know, sort of every everything added, uh, you know, sort of adds up and add, you know is part of the equation. Um, working on all of those attractions, working on the sort of the events like horror nights, you know, those are things that um, you know not everybody gets to do, and you really begin to uh, understand how to entertain you know, thousands of people simultaneously, you know, and sort of how you, how you have to move them around and shift them around the site, uh, for an event like that. Um, and, you know, we were learning on the fly, but, uh, at, at the end of the day, I would, I would say, you know, sort of Julie was, uh, you know, sort of really skillful at that. And we, you know, supported, you know, her, efforts, you know, as the event producer to make sure that it was really uh, compelling. And when you went around the corner, you found something that was unique and interesting, probably disturbing, but, um, you know, sort of, but, you know, that was, that was, uh, that was the fun uh, right there. All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. Hope you liked that interview with John Paul, especially during the dark times, as we call them later on in the year when Horror Nights is, doesn't have brand new breaking news or we can't review the current event. We're going to have great interviews like that to supplement. If you like that, let me know. Many ways you can do it. You know how to do it. Social media, SZ Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram or on Facebook, ScareZone, or our website, ScareZone.com, where you can find out all the stuff going on with us, whether that's my Facebook group, whether that's our store, Chris's new book, Scott's eBay store. You can find all of it right there. We'll be back next week with our reviews and our thoughts on Halloween Horror Nights 26, because I am back and I got a lot to say. And I can't wait to share that with you guys next week. Again, stay safe. And as always, keep your eyes closed and your ears open. And we'll see you at Finnegan's. Visit our website, scarezone.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash scarezone. And follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash scpodcast. And remember to rate and review us on iTunes. This has been a production of Laugh Old Ram Studios. Copyright 2016.